Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. Today, we're going to dive into a couple of subjects about creation and creating what you want with the universe, as well as a a new personality test, if you will, but for your soul. And Jennifer has come up with 107 different types of soul languages. And she's going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, if you're a fan of personality tests, like I am, I love, um, I love, especially like Myers-Briggs, uh, Enneagram, human design. There's several others out there that other people have created, uh, like Sally Hags, Hogshead, excuse me, Sally, Sally Hogshead, um, fascination advantage. Um, Roger James Hamilton's Wealth Dynamics. There's a lot out there. They're they're really, really fun. And Jennifer's work about soul language is probably the most deep that I've seen. So I'm really excited to dive into that. Um, Jennifer is the uh, best-selling author of a few books, including uh, Soul Language and A Little Book of Prayers. And she's a master intuitive. You'll see some of those skills coming out in in today's podcast. And she believes that when you know your soul language, you can discover your mission. You can learn how you can consciously or unconsciously use your natural gifts, talents, and abilities. You can develop your intuition. You can quiet those inner critics. You can realize and expand your goals become a strong leader, letting go of overwhelm and the I should have known betters and um, really settle in into a deeper level of faith and trust and experience unconditional love for yourself and others. So I'm super excited to welcome Jennifer. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I am a specialist in helping people connect with their soul through a paradigm I created called soul language. It puts tangibility to soul so we can really have a conscious connection so we can create from a place of wholeness and completeness rather than pain, suffering, and pattern. So um, that's awesome. Now, what would it look like if someone is creating from pain and pattern? Um, And I forget the other thing you said, but what would that look like in real life? (laughs) (laughs) So let me give you an example. So, oh, about 10 years ago, I lived in an apartment and the walls were really thin. And the woman downstairs would have the same argument with different people on the phone. You're not listening to me. You don't hear me. You don't understand. I'm tired of explaining. I'm feeling like I'm not being heard. Same conversation with different people in her life. She was creating from pain and suffering. It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It, sometimes it's living in ultimate struggle of lack feelings of unworthiness and sometimes it's just slightly uncomfortable 
which things are going good, but there's a gnawing feeling inside of you that there's something bigger, that you can experience more. So there's different discomfort levels, but it's still coming from a place of pattern, fear, and suffering. Very good. Okay. Now let's do the reverse. What would it look like if someone's creating from a happy place? Yeah. Most of the time we don't know it. And that's the funny thing. Most of the time, you know, we're kind of in the zone, we're feeling good, we're getting what we want, we're happy, we have bliss, we feel free. Um, and we don't really pay attention to those times because we're just so in it. To me, when I create from a place of knowing that I'm whole and complete, it feels like I'm in a, a car with the top down and on a highway in the sun in California with the breeze in my hair, it feels ultimately free. So most people know and have a grasp on their pain and suffering, but they don't really know that they're happy because they're kind of just in the zone experiencing it. So if you feel like you're going over the past again and again and worrying about the future, you're not in that bliss space. You're in that pain and suffering. Yeah. And, and also you're not really present either, are you? Exactly. And I tell people to play the penny game with that. So you get a hundred pennies. Whenever you think of the past, you put a little penny in the past cup. Whenever you think of the future, you put a penny in the future cup. And at the end of the day, see how many pennies you have. The amount of pennies that you have is the energy that you're actually utilizing to create your presence. And mo your present. And most people are like, I have five pennies. It's not a lot of pennies to create what you want here and now. So your energy and your use of that is divided. And it's really a physical way of knowing where you're putting your energy. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, we recently had a, a guest on that. We talked a lot about the present and being in the present and also that, uh, the patterns that can emerge as well. Like, um, she was sharing that she learned not to trust women. And so the same women that she couldn't trust kept showing up in her life over and over until she learned the lesson and forgave the original woman. <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's a very visual way of, um, of seeing how much energy you're putting into the past. And if we're creating from the past, we're creating from lack. Yeah. Yeah. Cause our brains are wired, right. To remember the negative. Our brains are wired to keep us safe. And mm -hmm. so anything that's caused discomfort, it's going to pay attention to more, to, to ex not experiencing that more. So it's going to set up all these little patterns and programs to keep us in the illusion of safety. The thing is, is that we can rewire our brains and we can rewire our energy. When we tune into our soul, the soul is actually wired to support the here and now, to support that you're whole and complete. But humans are funny and we're not really taught that. We're taught to kind of pay attention to that lizard part of our brain that goes, okay, where are all the exits? And okay, I got to make sure, you know, I'm not being chased by any bears. And since we live in an age that fear is just so vivid and we tend to be a fear of everything. We're always feeling like we're being chased by that bear. Do you think that when people are watching a lot of television, um, like the news or shows that kind of trigger that fear, do you, do you, do you feel like that almost makes it more difficult to get out of that fear. Yeah, I think they're, they're paying pay attention and, and, and participating in that mass consciousness of fear. I also think binge watching is not cool either. And I'm talking about personal experience. So there was a time where I was binge watching the Sons of Anarchy and I, I would get up and I'd be like, I'm so depressed. Nothing good ever happens. I was like, 
oh my God, it's the sons of anarchy. Like I kept seeing all of that pain and I was actually ingesting it. And that happens to a lot of empathic people who feel other people's emotions until they know how to deal with that energetically. Being consumed by the news, being consumed by other people's feelings is kind of what happens to them on a regular basis. So you can feel free to watch the news, but you have to know and separate that energy and know, okay, let's just tune in and feel the goodness of, of humanity, the goodness of the world, and pay attention to that more. That's going to create more change than worrying about all of the stuff that's happening in the world. I kind of, I kind of think of it like this, like, do you, have you ever heard of the reticular activation system that our brains have? Like, so it's just a technical term, but here's what it looks like in real life. You decide that you really like, or, or you just bought, let's say, let's just say you bought a blue car. Yeah. That's like a certain brand. And then all of a sudden you see that same brand, that same color, even though it was super rare when you bought it, right. you, know, you keep seeing it everywhere. It's like your brain is skewed towards noticing that particular object. And, and I kind of think that watching a lot of news is like that too. Like, right. You would say yeah. that you attract what you think about. I mean, that's another way to, to say it. Right. Yeah. And I always say, you know, your mind's going to chase whatever you give it to chase. So why don't we start chasing, chasing enoughness? And when I tell a client, okay, just tomorrow, just focus on having your mind chase that you're enough they'll come back and go, oh my God, let me tell you all the stuff that happened, which was always, always there. They just weren't allowing themselves to participate in or see that kind of be in that frequency. So, uh, you know, it's really about deciding and making choice about how you're going to utilize your energy, where your attention and e-tension or attention is going to be. And really understanding that you're the master of your own universe. How do you want to experience this? Do you want to experience through wholeness and completeness or pain and suffering? It's really up to us. And we have to make that choice continuously. So how would someone consciously make that choice? I mean, is it like, you know, spending more time in gratitude? Like what are, what are some of the ways that we can consciously choose the positive? Yeah. You know, gratitude's great. And I think a lot of people do drive-by gratitude, which is, oh my God, thank you so much for blah, blah, blah. Oh, but by the way, so it kind of pauses the system. So I always suggest clients actually work with their own divinity, their own body, who's, which doesn't have free will, to keep activating that. So do you want to try something with me? Sure. So I'm going to say something. Everyone follow along. If I use words that you don't understand, just go with it. So here goes. Divine intelligence, fill me with the feeling and knowing that I am enough, that there will always be enough, and that I experience enoughness. And just tell me what you notice. I'm getting goosebumps. Right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're activating that on a continual basis, that is the vibration you're going to be putting out into the world, and your external circumstances are going to have to match that vibration. And it took a second. You didn't have to think about your childhood. You didn't do spiritual bypass because you're actively participating in it with your heart. And if you keep doing that, your cellular structure is actually going to change and be geared towards more bliss, more happiness, because that's the direction you're, you're engaging with. Okay. So a couple things, spiritual bypass. What does that mean? 
spiritual bypass happens when people are kind of doing it with their head, mm. that they're not fully participating out with their heart. That another way of saying that is lip service. We all know when someone's just giving lip service, just saying yes and just nodding their head and not in full agreement. Spiritual bypass is that. It's like, it's one of those things when I ask a client, so how is everything? Oh, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. I'm great. Who and hasn't like, done that? <laughs> yeah, you're lying, right? Yeah. It's okay to admit, admit that there's areas of your life that could use expansion. I will be the first to admit to it, right? That's not being negative. That's actually participating in it. And I think so often metaphysical teachers teach spiritual bypass. They teach that everything's supposed to be great and care bears and flowers and bubbles. And, and it's just not that way. It's a constant choosing of knowing your whole and complete. It's a constant participation. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong, but we're human. We have free will. And the mass consciousness has been taught not to choose that. So we have to make those choices on our own. Very good. I love that answer. And then, um, can you explain a little bit about, um, matching a vibration, like, like explain if, as if someone's never heard of a vibration, um, what does that mean? So everything vibrates at a frequency. Mm -hmm. So this is a really bizarre concept. And, and when I think about it, I kind of pause for a moment. It's like also thinking that we're on a giant rotating rock. It kind of freaks me out at first. <laughs> so nothing's really solid. It's just vibrating so fast that it looks like it's solid. Freaky, right? So everything has a vibration or a frequency. So let's just think of it as radio waves for a moment. So 101 vibrates at a frequency or radio wave that you can turn into it, while 102 is at a different vibration or frequency. And that's what we need. So there's lower frequencies that vibrate at a lower kind of energetic field, which are shame, fear, lack, and there are higher vibrating frequencies, love, peace, joy. And what we want to do is we want to let go of the lower and move towards higher. Now, here's the thing. Most people try to go, okay, I just want to experience joy and there's no shit. There's no song that sounds good with just high notes or just low notes. You need the entire scale. But what is really important is that you want to keep evolving your vibration. So it vibrates at a level of what you want to receive. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to receive more shame in my life, right? But I know that there's parts of me that vibrate at shame and that's okay. But I'm evolving my consciousness to vibrate at something like love, peace, joy. And we all know when we have that feeling within us of peace. And next time you're feeling that, just tune in and ask your soul, you know, give me an image or a color or a number of this vibration so I can keep turning towards it. An easy trick, not doing spiritual bypass, but actually making a bigger choice for yourself. That's really great. So um, I love what you said too, about it's not, it's not, not feeling the, the low vibration. I mean, no one's perfect. Things happen. You get triggered by something. The point is to heal it, to get past it. And when you do that, you're actually evolving. Your vibration is what you're saying. And you're, 
I, when I envision a piano, I'm actually kind of thinking like, maybe you were playing with like two octaves, right? Like, like, you know, what is an octave eight keys, you know? So you're playing with these 16 keys and you just keep like moving up the piano, um, as you're letting go of these patterns and these, uh, negative, uh, memories or things that are holding you back, people you're not forgiving or, or, you know, tendencies to, you know, when you, you re start repeating the same pattern. So as you let those go, you're actually moving up the scale. Is that what you're saying? You know, I mean, I love the, the image of the piano and, you know, there's this thing about healing. What we're really doing is we're just remembering our wholeness and completeness. We're turning into that part of us that's never been heard, that's whole and complete. One of the things that makes me roll my eyes is when someone goes, my soul is yearning or so hurt or crying. And I'm like, your soul doesn't do that. Your soul is whole and complete. It is your essential nature. It needs nothing right what we're doing is we're aligning our human experience with that knowing of the soul so our human experience some of it has been painful some of it's been betrayal some of it has been suffering and when we when we understand that that is not our essential nature that that's just experience that evolution that moving up the piano takes place and it becomes really freeing so you can look at the situation and go oh that happened okay, I can feel that pain, but I don't deep down inside that that's not who I am. That's not my essential nature. My essential nature is this. And then the trick is if you're whole and complete, you have to treat everyone like they're whole and complete, even if they're not expressing it. And that becomes a whole new evolutionary game as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's probably one of the hardest things we have to do as humans is yeah. accept other people as whole and complete or other divine spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a big growth and a big opportunity for people to evolve and for the world really to change and be at peace because I think true collaboration only can come when we are not condemning someone for their beliefs that we're really going, okay, how do we move to wholeness and completeness with your belief and my belief? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. So many things, so many, so many things in the news, so many things, you know, in life would be solved if we could take that approach. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how, so you mentioned before about creating what we want. So do you have a process or steps to move? Yeah. Through? Yeah. I think I do. I co-create with the universe. So I do an internal action and an external action. And sometimes they're like the chicken and the egg kind of thing. But I think the key to really creating what you want is truly understanding what you want. And I think a lot of people think they know what they want, but they really don't. And I think they're also, in my experience, they're wanting little things when they don't understand truly the big thing they want. Hmm. So what I do is with clients, I go, okay, let's list out all the things you want. And then tell me why you want those. And it will always come down to a feeling or an experience. So everything I want in my life comes down to the big want, which is this sense of freedom. So I know that that's my big vision. So I don't do any task unless it's going to promote, again, me being in alignment with freedom. So I have my big vision, which is, you know, 
a life full of freedom and grace. And then I go, okay, what's the internal action that creates that into tangibility? Meaning, what do I have to shift inside to receive an opportunity of freedom? And sometimes an opportunity will arise. Here's a perfect example. So a friend of mine was like, listen, you would be great at Kabbalah. Like, let's just fill out the application. So I'm like, great, I love that idea. So I get at the application and they're like, you have to do a CV or resume. And I went, oh my God, right? Here's an opportunity of freedom, restriction. Like, how am I gonna do that? And what does that look like? And do I have it and blah, blah, blah. And why do I have to do that, right? All restrictions. Then I have to go to an internal action, which is an either an allowing, a letting go, an accepting or an activation, which is turning on something like a superpower. So what would I have to accept to know that that resume will be created with ease and grace, right? So the answer for me is always the same answer, which is I have to know that I'm enough. So then I have to choose enoughness. And then I have to decide if I'm going to write it myself or welcome in someone else to write for it. So there's a co-creation process of the universe. And I think a lot of us are trying to control every aspect of our lives and not really co-creating with what we want. Yeah. So control, we've got to let go of the control. Lots of it. And you got to accept divine support. You got to accept that you're loved, supported and provided for. And I think when it comes to, to truly being loved in that capacity where you could imagine that there's so much love at your fingertips, there's so much creative power that you can snap your fingers and have what you want. You have to really be open to receiving that much love and that much power. And as humans, we're really afraid of that. And I think that's also what keeps people actually from co-creating with the universe, that fear of what that truly means. Will I use that power correctly? Am I worthy enough? That's just a couple off the top of my head. Yeah. And will the universe really provide or is this just imaginary? Right. I hear that's one. That's a big one. You know, and I always go, okay, let's play with the universe. Play with it. And um, I've been using the, the phrase lately, playing chicken with the universe. So, you know, I'm really, I'm good at that. I love to play chicken with the universe. I love I love to that. Go, okay. I want you to prove that you exist and you know who I am. And one of the things that I look for proof are the little fluffy things from the dandelions as they blow off. I have to tell you, I see those fluffy things and it will be this thought like, oh, I'm not enough. And I'll see one of those fluffy things come by. I'm like, okay, I get it. I've seen them driving a car on a highway that has no grass. I've seen them on my deck, brief levels up where there's not a dandelion in sight. I've seen one come in through my car window, through the driver's side, out the passenger side, back through the driver's side and land on my wallet. <laughs> and so often we don't allow for this playing, you know, we're kind of, you know, cursing the universe and saying, prove it to me and, and we're in control. So I always say, okay, let's do a lab experiment, right? Let's, you know, put the universe kind of on test of without putting too many parameters around it and see what happens people always come back and go okay let me tell you what happened and they're like they're amazed and i was like when are you're never going to stop being amazed right it's it's that allowing that miracle that kind of oh, that 
when we become dull to it, I think that we lose our ability an additional ability to create with it. So the thing is, is not to be in fear, to be in discovery, and to know that you're free to create. And that's a dancing. That's a lovely dance that we get to do as humans. Very cool. So technical question about the dandelion. Was that something you set up beforehand? Like show me a fluffy thing or something? I did a, I did a meditation gotta be 10 years ago that was about abundance where I would blow out the little dandelions and they would come back to me tenfold. And so I know that's a symbol for me of abundance, you know, but I've done it in different ways. I've done it driving, you know, going, all right, God, I want you to prove to me that you exist. And I want my father who's passed on, I want proof that he's thinking about me and, you know, that he's rooting for me or has my back. And so I'm driving and the radio comes on and it's a song that my father loved. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's way too easy universe. <laughs> I don't believe that. And so the announcer comes on. He's like, thanks for all those requests from the dancing, you know, in the seventies with all those great clubs. And he keeps going off on these clubs. And I was like, yeah. And then he goes, and brothers three. And I, I almost rode off the road because brothers three was the name of my father's bar. I even forgot he owned. And I'm like, okay, like that's like, wow. how can I ask any more proof than that? Like, hello. That was like, so personal. All of the things mm -hmm. that had to line up for that to happen, like that to me goes, I get it. But you know, when we're in fear, we still test the universe. So set up little labs for yourself so you can build that connection in a deeper way. I love that. I love that. Now, earlier you mentioned about being an empath, um, and, uh, there could be a lot of people listening today that are empaths, whether or not they know they are, can you talk a little bit about that? Like signs are an empath and then like how you deal with that. Like how I've heard a lot of people act as if being an empath is, is like, a state of being like they're a victim like oh i can't go out in crowds because i'm an empath can you so see my eye roll because <laughs> um, that just annoys me i'm like really you're in control of everything and you're gonna pull that card so i think some of the signs that you're an empath is you kind of know what everyone's feeling um you can walk in a room and you kind of know what's going on you experience a lot of emotions and and don't really know why you're feeling it and can't put a word to it and um, it won't shift no matter what you do. That means you're feeling someone else's stuff. Um, one of those really great signs is go into a casino and if you don't gamble or have any urge to gamble and you want to gamble, you're an empath. I mean, I remember going into a casino as a young girl and like playing four slot machines going, I, what's going on? Like, I can't, like, I just want to play. <laughs> like right? you were hijacked basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's that all the time understanding what someone is feeling knowing what their kind of um their emotional state so if you have empathic abilities it's not it's not a bad thing and you shouldn't sequester yourself in your house you actually need to understand how to use it so one of the the things i tell my empaths is you want to practice glenda the good witch bubble from the wizard yeah. of oz so you want to see yourself in that pink bubble Make sure you cover your feet and your butt because everyone forgets those areas. <laughs> and what's going to happen is you're going to be able to understand emotionally what's going on with people.
but not ingest it. And so you're gonna, it's gonna feel like emotions coming towards you, you understand, you notice it and it slides off. Another simple thing is to, to do this exercise about measuring where you are. So on a one to 10 level, you ask yourself your emotional state, one being low, 10 being high. And then you put your arm, your um, left arm on your right shoulder, and then you ask yourself again, and if it's gone down or gone up, you're holding on to something that's not yours. Mm. And when you notice it, you just offer it back. Just say, I send it back whoever it belongs to with love. Some people will tell you, you put it in the ground or you, you, you send it back and you encode it with love and you process with them. No, you don't really do any of that. It's not yours. You can't process it. You just offer it back with love and let them deal with it. And it's really for impasse, you know, it's really important that you notice what happens with you in family dynamics, because that's where it tends to really blossom and understand and, you know, wheel its head. So me and my mom play Pictionary, you know, and we haven't played in 20 years, but we would play Pictionary and I would draw a line. She'd be like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. You know, empathic abilities right and a little mind reading but we just know and so it's really understanding you know you can't really process anybody's emotions on your own so if you're feeling like oh, i feel heavy and icky and sticky and i don't know why you're an empath mm -hmm. and then you just send it back mm -hmm. yeah that's good well okay sending it back it's just kind of like a mental or emotional you just feeling have to say it. Another thing you can or go not ask, mine, like this isn't mine and just yep, the awareness. Yep. Or you could go simply, you can ask the question, is this mine? And if it's mm -hmm. not, you it will stay. If it is, if it, if it's, if it's not, it will leave. If it is, it will stay. So is this mine? I ask that a lot of myself, is this mine? And I'll go, Oh, don't I feel clearer? Okay. And practice it, practice it around you know, in a meeting where you can simply go like this and not, no one notice. And so you can really start to gauge what's your energy and what you're ingesting of everyone else's. Yeah, it really, it really does take practice. I mean, I, I, I feel like I am an empath and I grew up, you know, and I, I would feel all of a sudden horrible yeah. and it's like, wait, why, why am I feeling this way? I don't even know. Right. Clean this way. Nothing happened. And then it would be so confusing. Right. And, um, yeah, not until I learned this, did I really become aware? And I feel like it does take practice to discern. It does. And another thing you can look others. at is your central energetic channel. So the tailbone up to the top of the head, that central energetic channel should be straight and like a piece of uncooked spaghetti, not brittle, just straight. If it's wobbly or looks like a piece of cooked spaghetti, you're going to be participating in everyone else's energy. So you simply just ask divine intelligence, which is your body, align body and soul, align my central energetic channel. So it supports my life purpose and my life purpose alone. And watch it go. I mean, I just felt it snap back into place for me. I have no idea why it was off. Don't care. And then there's this feeling of being solid within your own skin. Also, empaths will feel like they're not, they're not comfortable in their own skin as well. Mm. 
Do you know why that is, or it just is? I think it's because they're ingesting everyone else's stuff, so they don't really know what their skin is. Meaning, mm. they, you know, it's hard to determine what you like, what you want to move when you're having all of these emotional responses to everything. Yeah, like, what do you want for lunch? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> or you order something and you're like, this is not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Um. So we talked before this about co-creating with the universe and, um, any other tips that you have about, about doing that? I mean, like we talked about vibration, like does one need to put themselves into that positive state of vibration before thinking about what they want? Like what, what are some of the techniques? That you would so I always like to tell clients, listen, you're, you're putting out declaring to the universe all the time, right? And so let's make some good noise pollution. So what do you want? What do you want to experience? So for me, again, it's freedom. So my noise pollution is I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I will be having that loop in my head at the grocery store while I'm washing dishes, while I'm taking a shower. While I'm doing this, just the loop, because what that, what you're declaring, what you're sending out to the universe is the largest, the most frequent thing that the universe is being directed at. And it's a very easy tool. And I think a lot of people are, you know, get themselves in trouble with, I got to be in the right position and I got to have gratitude and I got to raise my frequency and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, it can be really easy, you know, just send out some good noise pollution about what you want. You know, if you want a new client, you know, I'm worthy to receive a new client. I'm worthy to receive a new client. I'm worthy to receive a new client. I, because that's taking up direction rather than the loop that's been in your head, either fully conscious of your, the loop you might be or you might not be, of I'm unworthy. When am I going to get a new client? I need a new client. If I don't have a new client, I'm going to die, right? So practice good noise pollution. Well, not only that, when you have that unconscious loop, it's like people pick up on that. Like we just were talking about empath. Like if you're, you said, I'm going to die, but that's a little dramatic, right? But like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that desperation. Yeah. And then most people it. don't have a name for it. Right. So most people go, I don't know why I'm not in alignment with this person, but it just feels off mm -hmm. because their words and their internal actions aren't measuring up. Um, you know, and, and it, you don't have to monitor or police everything thought that in your head, you just have to put a little more consciousness to it, a little more wholeness and completeness, and that's going to create great change in your life. Very cool. So one of the things I've, I've learned about you is there's 5,000 people around the world who have learned and are practicing this soul language information that you have. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. So I was asking some really big questions. Like I know my life purpose, powerful healer and teacher of service in the spotlight. That's great. And uh, where are my people? Cause I'm really mad. And I kept asking these big questions and I went to a conference where I was speaking about essential oils and life purpose. And this woman sat down next to me and went, we're going to be friends. And I went totally. Then my in inside voice went, why her? <laughs> Not this other woman across the way who looks really nice, but I don't really care if I ever see her again. What is that? And through divine guidance, I heard soul language. And I kept asking questions. And what 
I created was we each have three core energies of soul. We call those languages. Your mission, how you'll be known here, and then your soulful personality, how your soul prefers to go through life. And they can be identified. And once you have the tangible words to put what you know deep down inside, it allows you to create a conscious connection. It allows you to have the human part of aligning with your soul. And so you can connect and ask questions. So my soul languages are, my mission is as an equalizer, balance. How I'll be known here or the fuel of that mission is called teacher of integrity. All my life, been able to see where people are out of the consciousness of love. And then how I prefer to go through life is graceful warrior, action, movement, courage, and grace. Now, most of my life at war with everything. Didn't create a lot of fun in my life, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. But when I moved from unconscious warrior, which is making war with everything, to conscious, which is, I know I'm whole and complete. I never have to take out my sword, but I know it's here. And I have courage, I have strength. People came, kept coming to me for truth, to help them find courage, to help them find strength. So by understanding and operating from that consciousness, it allows people to create a smoother life, to be at ease and at grace and in abundance. And so five people, and I think it's actually even more now, are utilizing this tool of consciousness to tune in, to ask questions, and to evolve their consciousness so they can experience what they want. So they're not spending all their time suffering and in pattern. They're spending their time actually creating everything they want to receive and being in bliss about it. I love that. So you're an equalizer. And so, so there's break it down a little bit. You went, you, you went, it was okay, but you went super fast. I know you're uh, so Cause that's the warrior energy in me. Like boom, 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 right? <laughs> you're so, so familiar equalizer with it. It's like, about my mission. It's I, about oh, I was just gonna say, I'm fascinated with like personality tests and like, you know, I've probably taken pretty much everyone known to man. This one's new to me. So it's, it's fascinating. So yeah, this has been called the Meyer Briggs of soul. I love it. So uh, my equalizer is about my mission. Okay. It's all about creating that perfect formula balance first for myself and then for others. The teacher of integrity is how I'll be known here and what fuels my mission. Mm -hmm. So when I was in corporate America, I remember having this conversation with a client who was a relationship expert who said, you talk to me and I feel like I'm a child and blah, blah, blah. And I got off the phone and I looked at my best friend boss and said, I don't know much about anything, but I know I can't make him feel anything if he doesn't want to. But what he was picking up was my vibration of teacher of integrity, which naturally when people want to be integrity, allows them to take those opportunities. When they are fighting that, they will attack it or go away. And then my soulful personality language is graceful warrior, action, movement, courage, and grace. And that allows me to really move forward really quickly. It has a lot of warrior energy. And I've had to kind of work consciously with warrior energy. And I love people who have warrior energy. And I know those people that have warrior energy are now nodding their heads because they know. So it allows really a, a deep understanding about warrior energy, how we're fiercely loyal, loyal, how we never let a man down, um, and how our tendency is to kind of fight our way through 
But really being in wholeness and completeness of that energy of my soul has transformed my life so much. I mean, when I tell clients that I was so angry, I wasn't allowed to talk to clients that I would ask for a pen and people are like, why are you so aggressive? They look at me like I'm on crack. And I go, no, I, I, I'm telling you, I was really angry and mad. They're like, no, you're so loving and you're so sweet. I was like, yeah, that was all there. But I was unconscious and I was in pain. So by really exploring your three soul languages, it allows you to go deep really quickly. It allows you to kind of get to the core of issues so you can really start operating from wholeness and completeness and soul rather than your experience of any pain and sorrow. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so important. And I, I love this phrase, wholeness and completeness. Me too. Um, <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, what's the opposite of that? Like, that's how most people walk around on this planet, right? It's like some piece of them is broken or, you know, something's wrong with them or, or whatever. And, um, yeah, that says it all like, um, uh, you know, when, uh, people are perfectionists too. That's probably, you know, the antithesis of feeling whole and complete, even though you're striving for perfection, it's like, you're, you're, you're already there. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I think perfectionist energy comes about, of, oh my God, let me get it all right. So I'm safe. Mm -hmm. So you'll love me. So I couldn't possibly fail. And the questions for an individual experiencing that is, you know, how can you offer yourself so much love that you can still be conscious of the details, but not controlled by them? Mm. And I think that opens up a kind of world for someone in the perfectionist nature. No one likes to make a mistake. No one likes to fail, but that's not your essential nature. And that doesn't mean you're broken. And I think so many coaches out there, metaphysical, spiritual teachers are are operating on principles of let you're broken let me heal you and my principle is the more i know the less i know and i know you're whole and complete let's remind you even if i have to call you every day and go guess what you're whole and complete guess what i love you i have a client who i um love bomb occasionally i'll be writing to do and i'll go i love you in the middle of a sentence and she's like oh because it's been really hard for her to receive love and i remember uh, emailing her something and i i meant to write i like it and i put i love you and she goes oh my god you did it again and i was like i did it again subconsciously i really just meant to say i like it right and so it's really about being open to really receiving the support of the divine and the divine will work through humans and so really being comfortable being vulnerable and being open and receiving love. Yeah. So true. It comes easily to some people, but most people like are really honest. Yeah. I think most people it's wrapped up in pain and sorrow and experiences and what is it going to cost me? What do you want? And it's about unraveling those, those beliefs and, and really tuning into the truth. Yeah. So, um, what are, what are some of the other languages? Like, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how would people know what they are? Like, so, uh, you go to a soul language practitioner since there's about 30 of us now. Um, and they identify it through something called muscle testing. 
which is using our body for your soul's behalf. Um, there's 107 core energies of soul. They're your languages this lifetime when they're identified. So some mission languages are pioneer. I love pioneers. They forge new roads, top line consciously. Unconsciously, they're always going to feel like there's, they don't have support because they're always so out in front. Another axiom or translation or how you'll be known here is called nurturer, top line, right? They're the, when they're conscious, they're both a giver and receiver. They're the ultimate receiving and giving machine. Unconsciously, they're nurturing in order to get something. They're over-nurturing people. Um, some additional soulful personalities are um, shepherd, which uh, shepherds and individuals into protection and love. Um, conductor, which is a great one, which highlights the best in everyone in themselves. Olympian, who I love Olympians, and part of me goes, I don't really get them because it's so far removed from everything I am. But Olympians love humans. They love to identify the divinity and, and the aspects of humanity and bring those together. You know, when we talk to Olympians, they're all about humans. They're all about seeing the best in them. Um, so there's a couple of the 107. I love that. 107. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty intense process to kind of write up all those definitions. Uh, no kidding. Or to even think of them, yeah. you know, because that, that takes a high level of discernment to be able to you know, maybe you received it in, in, you know, in through your intuition or, or whatever, but it's like to have 107. Well, Myers-Briggs is only 16. <laughs> <laughs> what I realized was that I was collecting the information all along. So I would be asking questions and a, like a book would fall off my bookshelf. And I'd be like, oh my God, is that a soul language? And I would get the feeling of yes in my body. And then I would ask additional questions. So I was really collecting this information since I was a kid. Um, and so it was intense, but it was kind of like riding a bike downhill where you're like on it and you're like, okay, let's kind of enjoy it. So you, you not only took this information and you have, it sounds like you have coaching and you also have taught it to other people so that they are set up with their own coaching business and in, in, in the soul language. Yeah. And what's really important with soul language rather than like Enneagram or astrology is that it's a conscious living, breathing uh, paradigm. So it's always growing in consciousness. Those definitions are always being updated. And when I teach it to another practitioner, we really go deep in about how they want to utilize soul language within their sacred work. So we have soul language in money. We have soul language in the body. And it's, so it's not like it really um, becomes a tool for that practitioner to, to utilize their sacred purpose. My sacred purpose is always about connection. I'm always going to be bringing you back to connection. I could be a bartender and be my sacred purpose. Sucky delivery system. Wouldn't love to do it, but I would be being my sacred purpose. So it's, it's a tool that other practitioners use within their own sacred work, which is quite amazing because it, it creates such a way of individuals connecting to themselves in such a profound way that I haven't seen anything else do that quickly with that tangibility with 
a principle that's easy for almost everyone to understand. So knowing your soul language, like, I mean, I can begin to see how, if you've been stuck in a business that you don't love, or even a job for that matter, you've probably not been in alignment with your soul language. Is that? You, yeah. You, what, what's happening is, is that you're probably not in alignment with your soul. You're not in alignment with your sacred purpose. And so you put yourself in situations that are kind of reflecting your pattern or your pain. Um, I was always doing my sacred purpose in corporate America. I was the answer girl. People would come all over the office and go, Jen, do you know this? And I'd be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. and they would go and they would research it and they come back and they go, how do you know that? And I go, having a clue. Was it right? They're like, totally. You know, that was using my gifts as an intuitive, my connection. But when I really started to go, okay, I can really have what I want. I can be as powerful as I want that's when the soul language paradigm came through. So when people are kind of stuck in a job that they don't like, it's probably because they're not accepting what they truly want to be in this world. And, and we start with understanding what that is and then releasing the fear and the pain and the beliefs around that so they can start listening to their soul and most importantly, acting on it. You know, what just came to me is like the hero's journey. and. Um the hero of the story always has this part where he's given a call, yeah. a calling or a call. And there's always reluctance. Like, no, I'm not a hero. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Or yeah, I'm not a hero or I don't want, I'm not up for that, that task. Right. And, um, and then a guide comes along and helps, helps the hero move through that and then go through this whole you know, wonderful transformation and, um, back to real life where they now are themselves yeah. for once. Right. The, and the funny thing about that and our lives is that even if it seems like you're going at a snail's pace, you're always going to eventually come into wholeness and completeness because that's the evolutionary process. So you can do it at a snail's pace or you can do it with consciousness, which speeds it up. Um, and I think so often people are so concerned that they're not going to do it right, that they're not going to fulfill their purpose and give yourselves a break, like let go of the judgment. And let's talk about what internal and external changes you want so you can feel and be and take action on that rather than putting yourself in all of that judgment and pain. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, uh, like an acorn, right? It, it knows what it is, even though it's this small little thing, it's going to become, it's an oak tree, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to become this humongous oak tree. And it's like, we're all born with the blueprint inside. You know, it's just how, how quickly are we going to become aware of what that blueprint is and then grow into our fullest potential. I think there's Agreed. a quote. It's like the saddest thing. I'm going to totally, I don't even know who said it, but it's something like the saddest thing about um, humans is when they don't realize their full potential or they're looking back and they think, huh, you know, I could have, I could have done so much more, you know? And um, so you really knowing, having this awareness of your soul language really helps you to, to blossom. Yeah, and it helps fulfill 
you know, that knowing I had it of a of a teenager about wanting to be highly creative and make an impact on the world. And at that time it was photography school because that's what I knew, right? So, you know, all of that, photography school, corporate America, all of that led to this moment in time. And I don't regret any of it because mm -hmm. it really created some serious, amazing foundations that allowed me to fully op become open and listen to my soul and take action on it. And I think if you're gonna do one great thing for yourself today, let go of judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we started the conversation talking about the past and it's like, you know, thinking about, oh, you know, or casting judgment on a, a particular experience where you failed or you didn't live up to your own expectations or somebody else's expectations. You can look back at that at, you know, failure as regret, or you can look back at it as a learning experience because it's made you who you are today. And instead just, you know, put love on that and, and gratitude on that and be thankful that you had that experience because that's how we learn as humans is by making mistakes and failing and skinning our knee, you know? Yeah. And I always say to, I always say to people, okay, so tune into your soul and ask how you were living your life purpose there. Cause you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. if someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about this soul language and also about co-creating with the universe, um, where do they go? They go to soullanguage.us. There's a lot of free audios there. You can sign up for a newsletter. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Soul Language. Um, and I pick up my own phone and I answer my own email. I know that's crazy. That's awesome. Do. No, um, I love so, it. I love right? it. The last thing people want is like, well, let me, my assistant take care of it. It's like, you know, we're living in a day and age where it's like people crave that connection. Yeah. Another thing I hate when websites don't have any contact information, it drives me bonkers. Um, Are you a real person? <laughs> I'm a real person. Like, right. So if you have a question, reach out, I'd be happy to answer it. Awesome. That's so generous. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Any other final thoughts or final wisdom that you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah. My final thought is if you knew you were whole and complete, what would you be and what would you do today? I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.